You're listening to the Patriot Nation Podcast. to another edition of the Patriot Nation podcast, your boy Pat Lane, as always, with my guy Matt St. Jean. And this episode, as always, is brought to you by CL uh, by, by FanDuel, which is the official wage uh, <laughs> with the official sports wagering partner of CLNS Media. We're killing it today. I look like the Patriots out here, man. It's it's good to wear a Patriots podcast because I'm playing like the Patriots right now. Uh, let's try that again. FanDuel. The official sports wagering partner of CLNS Media is sponsoring this episode. Go to FanDuel.com slash Boston to sign up today. And, you know, you can win some money because we're losing on the football field. We're, we're playing like crap out there. We're playing like crap in here. But maybe you can win some money. You know? That's, so. that's, that's, all, that's all we can do at this point, you know? Just right. Find find ways to uh, to get something out of this thing. <laughs> that is correct. That is correct. And listen, you know, I mean, the way our the way our uh, our prop bets are going, you're probably not going to win money if you're going with us on the prop bets. Although you've done a little bit better than me. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yes, the um, you know the prop bets have have not been great. But that's okay. So and your dad's mentioning uh, great hat it is great hat. Papa Bear Spice <laughs> Company. Um, I got I got some Papa Bear Spice along with this sweet hat. <laughs> um, and so I'm, I'm excited. I used it a little bit, um, on some stuff that already had some salsa and stuff on it. I could taste it a little bit, but I really couldn't get the full flavor of it. I was just excited to use it more so than anything else. <laughs> so I just kind of threw it on. Um, so I'm excited to actually use it like for real when I make like a burger or, or, uh, some meat or whatever. So I'm excited, uh, excited to do that for sure. So, but, uh, yeah, yeah shout yeah. out to, to your dad, little puppet bear spice company. It's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, papabearspice.com. Go get yourself some. I've been having it for years in his chili now, so I can <laughs> I can promise that it's very good. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's good stuff. So all right, let's get into let's get into the Patriots. And listen, there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to talk about. Um I mean, we could start in a in a hundred different places. I guess the place we have to start is Bill Belichick. Um Ben yeah. Volan came out today and said that, you know, based on who he's talked to, there's a possibility that Bill Belichick, if they lose to the Colts, could get fired after the game in Germany. Mike Reese went out of his way today. I think you you put it really well, I think, when you said off air, you said, you know, he went out of his way to not say that something could happen, but hint at the fact that something could happen. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's it's weird I understand that Robert. I get that Robert Kraft is, um, wants to win. I understand that. But what does firing Bill Belichick in the middle of the season do for your team? I, I don't know how that makes you better in the future to fire. You know, a first ballot Hall of Fame coach, a guy that again you could argue is the greatest coach of all time. What what good does it do you to fire that guy in the middle of the season? I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me. There's only two possible explanations, I think. And one is that things are not good between Kraft and Belichick, personally. Yep. Yep. Uh, and that Kraft would want some sort of 
petty revenge on something, which I don't think is the case. I mean, even it's a working relationship, and I have to imagine things aren't great between the two of them right now, but I'd also imagine it's a shared frustration. They're both unhappy with how things are going. Neither of them thought it was going to go this way. So I don't think it's that. The only the only justification I can think of for why you'd fire Bill in the middle of the season is if you think Gerard Mayo is the next guy and you want to give him a test run for it right now in the season to see how he handles right. it. Yeah. I still don't think that's worth it. Bill is the GOAT, the best coach in the franchise's history without a doubt. And uh single-handed not single-handedly but a huge part of why the crafts have as much money as they do right now and why they they were able to renovate the stadium and do all that stuff and uh, even with things not going as expected i think he has earned the respect of seeing this out through the end of a season and doing everything in the off season like a, a respectable franchise here and that's what i expect to happen like mike reese the way he put it was basically like Hey, I'm going over there and I'm preparing in case something happens because there's been a pattern of teams going abroad to play games when they aren't good. And then they play poorly, they lose and the coach gets fired and there's a new coach when they all come home. But I thought Mike Reese was making more of a comment about how that's a pattern and things aren't good in New England. He's not. If he actually thought Bill was going to get fired, he would have said something along the lines of, I'm hearing that this could happen, not not putting it the way he was putting it. So I don't think this is actually going to happen um, for a multitude of reasons. <laughs> right. Well, and Fast Magician just pointed out, too, that Tom Curran did call Bill a lame duck, right, uh, implying that this is his final year. He won't be back for next year. Certainly makes sense. I mean, look, from what we've seen this year, I don't know why at this point you bring Bill Belichick back next year. It just seems like whether he's lost the locker room, whatever the case, whatever the situation is that's going on, you can see what's happening with the team. You're looking at the team saying, yeah, whatever we've been doing just isn't working. And yeah. so, you know, it's time to maybe move on. It's time to say goodbye to, to Bill and, and move on to something else. And again, this happens. Right, this happens. And one of the one of the biggest things we've talked about this, but one of the biggest things about Belichick is that he was an innovator. He saw things moving in one way, and he would often zig when other people zagged. Right, and a lot of times when he zigged, he hit it right. But he tried to zig when others zagged. Right, he started that in 2019, really, but certainly in 2020, where he said, "Oh, you're loading up to get fast. We're going to get big and run you over." That's what we're going to do. We're going to get big and strong and physical and run you over. And we're going to overpower you on defense, and we're going to run you over on offense. And it failed. It failed miserably, right? And luckily, they, they were lucky to win seven games in 2000, uh, 2020, I'm sorry. And, you know, then you get to 2021, and you still don't have any speed. Mac Jones plays pretty well. You get to the playoffs, and you get, at, you get your blo- doors blown off by the Bills, who are a significantly better team than you. And so then you go out and draft a bunch of fast guys in 2022, but your team's speed still isn't where it needs to be, right? And and they're they're approaching a team speed that's closer to what they need. They're still not super fast. But the problem is now is that the guys that you drafted to be your fast guys, Tyquan Thornton, Pierre Strong, those guys, you know, Cole Strange even, 
They're gone. Those guys are gone. Tyquan Thornton stinks. Pierre Strong's literally not here anymore. Like yeah. you Marcus just, Jones is in that group and Marcus he's Jones is hurt, right? So it's like so it's it's one of those things where it just it hasn't panned out for one reason or another. And whether it's injury in the form of Marcus Jones or whether it's a draft bus in the form of Tyquan Thornton and, and Pierre Strong. And so you went this speed route and it didn't pay off because your valuations were wrong. And so now you're kind of back to the drawing board and you don't, we've talked about this in, in multitudes of times. And so hasn't pretty much everyone that covers the NFL and the Patriots, there's just not a lot of talent on the team. And, and you could, you can see it all right. over the tape now, especially with the injuries. We knew this wasn't, well, I mean, I think we thought the team would be deeper than it was because we thought there'd be mm-hmm. development from guys and mm-hmm. it hasn't happened. And because of that, they're incredibly thin and as at certain spots in particular. And now with guys hurt, it's really obvious. And it's just, you know, you're in a you're in a tough spot now. This is what you have. And I like the way you put it about Bill kind of leaning into a certain direction, zigging and zagging and all that. And they went in a way. And honestly, I don't even think the idea was wrong. I think they just got the wrong players. And right. that's what happens in the NFL sometimes. That's life in the NFL. Yep. So uh, in an ideal world, this would probably look a lot like what the Lions have right now, where yep. you got a beefy offensive line and Isaiah Wynn's still here and Cole Strange is there and you got some maulers that can push people out of the way and you got a, a smart quarterback back there who can deliver the ball on time and you got a speedster and a slot guy who can make things work and tight ends who can, can work things with angles and uh, a smart defense and the, the players just, you know, haven't been as good as anybody expected them to be. And that's, right. that's the way it goes. So uh, I think well, I, it, does, yeah. it does feel like Bill's kind of a dead man walking at this point, which is, I mean, I didn't think we'd be here this soon. Um, no. That's for sure. But that's the way life goes. It doesn't take away from him at all. It's just, you get to this point. This whole thing is really hard to do when he's 70 something years old and all right, let's. Uh, I think it's time for time for something new, evaluation wise, with players. Yeah, yeah. And when you when I talked about the roster being thin, you know which spot on the roster looks a lot thinner right now than it did three months ago. That's cornerback cor- corner. Yeah, because man, um, <laughs> some of these guys were not as good as we thought they were going to be. Right, and not as reliable as we thought, and. and Christian Gonzalez, I think, is a stud. I'm not worried about him coming back. But after that, Jonathan Jones is good. He's yep. just good. He's going to be a $12 million cap hit next year, something like that. You've got Jack Jones, who is – this is we'll talk, I'm sure we're going to get into this here. Mm-hmm. Uh, his third strike now. He got, what, a suspension at the end of last season, and – he got the the Logan incident, and now here he is. What was it? He was late to a meeting? late to his curfew. Late to curfew. Yeah, and this is a guy who came in kind of with he came in with two strikes on his count, and he's had three strikes here at the Patriots already. And you yeah, just and he he hasn't shown he's consistently a good enough player on the field to be worth putting up with the headaches. He's not right. he's not a bad player, but he's. He's just out there right now. He's fine. He's not bad, but he's not spectacular. He's not special right now. And, you know, I don't know what his future looks like. Marcus Jones is a guy who I thought actually looked 
very much improved at corner this year from what we saw last year, but can't stay healthy. And right. he's behind Miles Bryant on the depth chart. Miles Bryant, I know, is a much maligned player, but good at yeah. what the, good at the things that he does. Um, right. And uh, you know, you look ahead, and it's like, all right, can we count on Marcus Jones to be a starter next year? Can we count on Jack Jones to be available next year? Christian Gonzalez is corner one, but Jonathan Jones, you know, might be a cap casualty. J.C. Jackson technically under contract next year. I don't think anybody expects him to be around with what would be a huge cap hit for him. And right. Miles Bryan, a free agent. Are we counting on Sean Wade coming back? All of a sudden, things look a little bit more precarious than they did. 100%. Yeah, and I think, you know, having Christian Gonzalez obviously is huge, right? But um, there are a lot of question marks after him. And I think Marcus Jones is a guy that you feel like, all right, we can put in there somewhere. But can you rely on him to be in every down slot corner? Can you rely on him to be your cornerback two and play outside? They had him play outside a good amount his rookie year, yeah. and he looked pretty good. But then you go to now. Look, it's the Bengals. It's not really fair to compare him to to T Higgins. But like, you put him on a bigger body wide receiver, and there's just not, he's five eight. There's just nothing he can do, right? And so, good technique. He's there, but he just can't make the play because he's still too small, right? And so, um. You know, do they take another shot at a guy like Jack Jones and see if they can hit on a corner a little bit later in the draft, right? In the third or fourth round and, and kind of go from there. So that it is a good question. And it's something that we necessarily didn't didn't think they'd necessarily be worried about. Um but you know, look, maybe they go to Jack Jones and say, Hey, we're gonna restructure your contract and you'll have a less of a cap hit. I don't know. I don't know. I think he's still, he's still on his rookie deal, so I don't even well, and it's the other thing here is John it's going to be. Oh, I thought you said Jack. Never mind. No, 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 John Jones. Because you know, if you worry about the cap hit with John Jones, then you see if he can restructure his deal, give him another year, and now he's your corner. He's your CB two. And so, yeah. if you have Gonzalez as your cornerback one, Mark, uh, Jack uh, John Jones, Jesus as your cornerback <laughs> two, and then you have you know Jack Jones and Marcus Jones and you know Miles Bryant kind of all in the mix. Inside, I think you're just fine. I think you're totally fine. Um, you can and make deep. it work. You know yeah. what I mean? I think you're but, deep. Yeah, but I think that then you're still relying on internal development. And it's one of those where it's like, I won't, depending on who is calling the shots after this, because that's the other thing. We're kind of basing this on how Bill does things, and it's probably right. not going to be Bill doing things. So, you know, if somebody else yeah. comes in and they don't know these guys, who cares? We don't need to restructure John Jones. You can trade him. Or, right. you know, we're, yeah, things might be different there. So I, I think that the greater point there is that when you head into the draft and you're looking to pick guys up, especially once you get into day two or day three, don't be surprised if cornerback is on the list of needs, or especially in free agency. When you have yeah. a rookie, especially if you got a rookie corner like Gonzalez, um, if they don't like Jonathan Jones, you have the money to go sign a different corner if you'd like to have somebody next to him, and that'll make life easier. That's it's that makes life easier when you have a guy who can be a stud at a position on a rookie deal, like we presume Christian Gonzalez will be here next year because of how he looked so far this year. Yeah, uh, man, it's such a bummer that he's missing so much time. <laughs> it really sucks. And again, Marcus Jones is another guy, same injury as as Christian Gonzalez and it's like those two guys could really give a, a big athletic boost to your secondary and they're both gone for the season right and so 
you know, when you even talk about like Christian Barmore and Judon's gone for the majority of the year too. It's just like, it sucks. Injuries happen and, and that's the way it goes. But it's like, man, that just, yeah. you know, they, yeah. just it's just bad luck on their part. TJ also asked a question about Jack Jones being allowed out of the country. Uh, those charges, those gun charges were dropped. It, those are no longer an issue for him. So he has no problem leaving the country right now. It's just an issue of, you know, what he has going on with the team. Yeah, which I think the fact that we know that J.C. Jackson won't travel, the fact that that's been announced tells us that Jack will. That if if they were both not traveling, we would have found that out together. So I assume Jack's going to be there on Sunday when they face the Colts. Yeah, and just you know the J.C. Jackson stuff, man. Talk about a fall from grace for him. So good in New England. I know. And the comments out of L.A. too after he left, talking about him not taking the rehab seriously when he got hurt. Yep. I, and well, I think the GM apologizing to the team for even signing him is, I think, what I saw. And it's like, wow, that you don't want people saying that about you. That's no, you don't. Big negative. And, you know, it's it was a good move to bring him back in that they had literally no cornerbacks for a short time period there. So right. you had to put somebody out there. You got somebody who is a veteran that knows the system for essentially nothing. Yeah. But, you know, I think you expected more from him i would think so yeah in perspective and uh, yeah so sean wade here's your here's your moment (laughs) yeah no and that's sean wade i think has played okay right and that's and that's a little bit of a you know a good thing for the patriots because they traded a fifth round fifth round pick for him um after he was drafted in the sixth round by baltimore they traded for him um before the season actually when he was a rookie so it was between the preseason and the regular season, too. Yes, it was. Yeah, before before cutdowns. Um, yeah, he played well in the preseason. I thought for for Baltimore, he was P- so. PFF's number one corner. There you the go. Look at that. I remember that. Yeah, um, he's he's played decently. I think when I, when I was talking about the depth before of the team, too. It's I think that the thing that stands out here is when you lose your top corner and your Pass rusher, I think we were expecting guys to step up around them who haven't. And Josh Uche is a name stands out there who has been just kind of there at points yeah. in the last few weeks since Judon went out and uh, Jack. Like when we talked about the corner situation, but I think we were, we, those are two spots where I think we thought the team had more depth than they actually had in the way it's played out. And I think the right. touchdown that Washington scored that deep pass or the Patriots blitz doesn't get home and they go over the top on you that player right there kind of sums up how it feels for the Patriots you're one step slow in the secondary because you're expecting the blitz to get home it doesn't coverage can't hold because it's a touchdown and the flip side is your offense can't generate that look ever or hit it right so light engine light engine is looking at the cap hit that's 2023 we're looking at next year so he has him as a base salary of one point five million. That was this year. Next year his base salary is eight million. With the signing bonus, the same signing bonus, three point seven five, and the cap hit of almost thirteen thousand dollars. Dead cap drops to about seven mil. Just yeah. under eight. Just under eight. So um but nevertheless, you know, it's just and then he's a free agent in twenty twenty five. So it, it's look, you know, I'm not really sure what, what the deal is and what's gonna happen. I will say this, and you mentioned the Lions. I just want to kind of jump back to this for a second. We got away from it a bit, but you were saying the Patriots might look a little bit like the Lions had things gone differently, right? You look at the evaluations and the evaluations that came out. 
Ronnie Perkins, they drafted 96 overall. Ronnie Perkins hasn't sniffed the field yet. I was high on Ronnie Perkins. PFF was super high on Ronnie Perkins. PFF, he was the only edge rusher in the class that had a 90-plus rating against the run and the pass. They loved, loved Ronnie Perkins. They had him going in the 30s, right? They had him at the end of the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, Patriots take him at 96. First round or something, yeah. Yeah. Patriots take him at, the, at 96. Pick 112 that year. Same year. Pick 112. Amon Ross St. Brown. I mean, imagine Is that Amon Ross? dropping Amon Ross St. Brown. Right? Yeah. So, like, if you drop Amon Ross St. Brown to this offense, all of a sudden you're like, whoa, this offense looks completely different. We hit on a wide receiver. Now you're probably not trading up to draft Tyquan Thornton. And so, you know, who knows? Who knows what ends up happening in 2022? Who knows who you draft or whatever the case may be? But having a legit stud wide receiver like Amon Ross St. Brown is and has turned into, you know, who the heck knows what's going to happen there. So it looks like we lost Matt for a second. But um, but I just think it's interesting when you look at, you know, the decisions that you try to make and and what you're going to do, Right. So much of it depends on your scouting and your evaluations. And so, of course, that means it's going to be um, that means it's going to be, you know, a situation where you say, OK, well, we have to get this guy up and running and we have to, you know, we have to hit on this guy. And we have to have to, all of those things are true. Right. Like we you have to have a good team. But again, having a good team means that you're drafting well, right? The Lions look like the Lions right now because they've hit on a bunch of those draft picks, right? And even the guys they've missed on, like Taylor Decker is a miss, I guess. He's still a good enough player that he can start for them and be pretty good. He's not amazing, but he's pretty good. And so it's like, you know, there's a difference between missing and having it just be a complete disaster and missing and the guy is serviceable but not as good as you thought he was going to be. The Patriots have gotten guys that are not serviceable. They've got they've drafted guys that aren't even you draft them, it's a miss, but it's like a complete disaster. And so that's really the difference between a good team and a bad team, which is what the Patriots are right now, are a bad team. And the big the big reason why is because those guys that you've drafted have turned out to suck. Not just be serviceable and not as good as you thought. They just aren't good. Um, and that really is a huge problem. So, um, and light engine asked about Keishon Booty. We talked about this a little bit on, on Sunday. Keishon Booty's just not that good. He's just not that good. Um, I don't know if he's as reliable as what they would like. Now, again, at this point, it's almost like, well, I mean, we don't see practice. We don't see what's happening. But, like, can he really be that much worse than the guys they have out there right now? You know, like, that's I wouldn't kind be of- shocked. I wouldn't be shocked to see him get the go for Tyquan Thornton because it's clear they weren't happy with Tyquan Thornton, uh, especially that, the that routes. That's one of the worst. It's one of the worst routes I've ever seen. It's one of the worst routes I've yeah, ever that's, seen. That's bad. Um, he looks like he got stuck. So, yeah, right. I wouldn't be surprised to see Booty. I don't think he's going to be that. I mean, he's he's got to be an improvement over that. But, you know, it's an incredibly yeah. low bar. And going back to what you were saying about the Lions, which I don't know what what happened with my internet there. Everything stopped. <laughs> but we're, we're, we're back for now. We're back. Uh, yeah. That Lions draft, too, is really interesting because 
they they go offensive tackle in the first. Yep. You get a franchise guy. Defensive lineman with your next two picks. Guys who have developed into players that are big pieces into why that defense. That defense, remember, when the Patriots played the Lions last year, October of last year, <laughs> this is 13 months ago, that defense was dead last in the NFL. It is now a strength for the Lions. It's a good yep. unit. Yep. And the way that defensive line has come together, those two guys they picked there, second and third rounds, big parts of it, and Amon Ra in the fourth. That, I feel like, is not a bad strategy for the Patriots here going into next year, looking at who could be available. And I'm not saying you should wait until the fourth to draft a receiver because we all know the state of this receiving core and you know right. neglecting that position is tough. But especially if it's a new regime, there's nothing wrong with just starting by building in the trenches and just hammering away at those positions. Because if you can get a lot of guys there, those are your spots that are very expensive and you usually need premium athletes there that you can only get at the top of the draft. So mm-hmm. you hammer it and you get guys who can be mainstays for you. You can be set at key positions, key foundational positions on both sides for a long time. Right. Well, and here's the other part of it for me. Mike, I want to, now you drafted City So to play tackle for you. You drafted mm-hmm. City So to play right tackle. That's what you drafted City So to do. City So looks really good at right guard. He looks really yeah. good at right guard. Very comfortable, really good. Mike Onwenu looks really good at right tackle. Maybe you don't love Mike Onwenu at right tackle. Maybe you're like, oh, we love him at guard. He's such a good guard. But City So stepped in and has played really well. Maybe you just re-sign Mike Onwenu to be, to be your right tackle, and you draft a starting left tackle, and you let Trent Brown walk in free agency. And then, you know, and, and then you, gotta, you go from there. Yeah, and I think you got – Three pieces on the line in theory that you feel good about there in Cole Strange, City So, and Mike Onwenu. I'm leaving David Andrews out of this whole discussion because I think we don't know what's going to happen. What, I think he's probably going to retire, but we don't know. That would make sense. Um, and you need a new center, and you don't want to overlook that. That's a spot that is very important, um, yep. especially from the communication and leadership perspective. And I wouldn't hate going for a veteran and looking at signing a veteran there, a guy, especially if you're overhauling this team. If you're going to have City So on a rookie deal, Cole Strange on a rookie deal, a rookie left tackle, a veteran center, that could be the way to go there if David Andrews is retiring. Yeah. And then if you, you go with a guy like Joe Alt, the top of the draft, who's a guy I know who's just getting a lot of hype right now. And there's Ovofashanu, too, Ovofashanu from, from Penn State. Penn State, yeah. Who's also a, either of those two guys at the top of the draft. I don't hate it. And the other the other part here, uh, there's two kind of two parts here. One, we just saw that offensive tackles don't usually hit free agency. That's not really a spot you're going to, especially guys who can be franchise players, you're not going to find there. And secondly, you don't usually find those guys outside of the first round. Right. That's There's a lot of receivers out there that come from the second, third, fourth rounds. And we just mentioned Amon Ra. How about the guy who might be the most prized guy in free agency this year, T. Higgins? No, he was the first pick of the second round, but still second round pick. Yeah, you don't like you can get really good receivers at the top of the draft too. And I'm not saying don't do that, but there's guys all throughout the draft at the receiver positions, um, and you know there's there's ways to get receivers, wide receivers and tight ends, both at the top of the draft, the middle of the draft, the end of the draft. It happens. I, a lot of the analysis that I've kind of seen suggests like if you were going to map out when you take these positions, you'd go. Offensive tackle in the first, receiver in the second, tight end in the third. 
if they went ahead and did that in this draft, that depending on who the available players are, I don't hate that at all. I think you could do a quick fix pretty quickly there. And you know, then you got a good offensive line. You got so and Wenu. And if the offensive line can get back to being a top five unit, that makes a lot of the other things a lot easier. Oh, yeah. 100%. And I think, too, like TJ was asking about trading up for Caleb. And I, I just think even if you are sold on Caleb Williams, I just feel like it's not the way for you to win. You have too many holes. Like Carolina moved up to take Bryce Young. I and I, for me personally, I don't like it. I didn't like the trade at the, at the time. I didn't like what they were doing. You got too many holes. There's too many holes in your team to say we have to get this guy. I understand they wanted a quarterback. I get it. And by the way, it looks like they drafted the wrong one. But, it, you know, who knows? We'll see what, what happens with Bryce Young down the road. But, like, you know, it, it's just I don't like the idea of mortgaging the future to draft a rookie quarterback who then has nothing around him. I mean, they traded away his number one wide receiver and their first-round pick next year to a team that they're not good. Carolina is not good. They have one good – their best player is Brian Burns. He plays outside linebacker, and he may not even be back next year. So, so like, it, it's – you're in a situation now where your team sucks, and you just mortgage your future for a rookie quarterback who, yeah, doesn't look good right now, but how the hell are you supposed to know? He doesn't have an offensive line in front of him, and he has no wide receivers. I mean, for God's sakes, Adam Thielen is his number one wide receiver, and I like Adam Thielen. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. The the Vikings just like let him walk away because they're like this guy isn't that good anymore. And by the way, he's not that good anymore. He's okay, but he's not that good anymore. And so he's their number one wide receiver. Like that's lunacy. So if I'm the Patriots and I'm building the Patriots, I'm rebuilding the Patriots through the offensive line. Unless I'm sitting, unless I get to five, and someone gives me a ridiculous deal. To move back, right? If you give yeah. me a you know a Dolphins type deal, where the say you're at three and the Dolphins are at twelve, it's obviously it's not going to be the Dolphins, but you're making a deal like the Dolphins made with the Eagles, where you move back to twelve. You had three, you move back to twelve, and you pick up an extra first round pick and something else, right? Fine, I'll do that. And then at twelve, I'll take either the best offensive lineman available or. Keon, uh, Keon Coleman, or whatever the case may be, right? Malik Neighbors, that's my guy. You know what I mean? So, so that's so yeah. like because you're because what you're doing is you're stockpiling picks, right? And now you have the ability to draft guys. Now you're still high enough that you could draft a good player, and you can draft guys now and kind of go from there. Remember now, Philly at twelve moved up to eleven and took Devonta Smith, right? So they moved around the board and kind of actually, actually, did they move up to ten and take Devonta Smith? Which I think it was a mistake. They Something like they that. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. But, but the idea is it, the idea is the same, right? That you're drafting these guys that you know you're moving back and and getting a good chunk back. And I think that I'm okay with that. But again, I'm not drafting. If a quarterback falls in my lap, if I'm sitting there at five and Drake May falls to five, and I'm sold on Drake May, by all means, draft him. But I'm not yeah. giving up more to go up and get them. Well, and I think it's it's tough because a lot of this is also in the eye of the beholder. It's going to matter what the That's Patriots good. scouts in front office thinks about the quarterbacks, which another thing here, if it's a new regime coming in, then 
they may not be in a position where they feel comfortable taking a quarterback. When you take a quarterback and you're a GM, that clock starts on your job the second yep. you pull that pick. Yep. And, you know, most guys don't want to do that and if it's not their scouts who are working with the guy. So who the next GM is is going to matter a lot there, assuming it is a new GM. And also where they pick in the draft. If I'm the Patriots, I'm not personally, I don't think I'd trade up for a quarterback at this point. Unless, obviously, the big F here is if they fall in love with one of these quarterbacks and they're convinced that one of these guys is the guy of the future, all right, then that changes the way you look at the situation. Yep. But even, you know, C.J. Stroud right now, he's lighting it up. He was the second quarterback taken in the draft. So he's not the first guy. He was the second. And he went to a, a spot where they have a franchise left tackle and a pretty decent offensive line. There's some weak spots there, but... You know, our old buddy Shaq Mason's on that line, holding it yep. down, having a, a good season. And you look at that receiving core, Nico Collins, third-round pick. Tank Dell, third-round pick. Noah Brown, this former seventh-round pick. They picked up as a, a free agent this year. It's it's not like that's the, the way that they've been able to make it work. And I don't our, our receiving core is not that good. Our offensive line's not that good. So I think you need to... I don't know. I think that's I think you're you're one year too early to drop in a quarterback and have him play like Shroud did. I think it would be a better situation than what the Panthers have going on right now. I would hope. But you would think. I, don't know. I think yeah. I'm not totally against taking a quarterback this year, but you gotta be in love with the guy. I don't want to have to trade up for him. And I still I still think the probably the best scenario here for the Patriots is that they are in a in a top three pick in a quarterback slot. And somebody wants them, and yeah. you can get a ransom for for them. Yeah, when well, it's funny, I I still think Shador is the guy that that I want here, and Michael Penix has shown me quite a bit too. Uh, you know, who knows? But I just think Shador so is so interesting. But I don't know if he's going to come out. I, I don't. I just it's a, what a weird situation that you know that whole just, situation's kind of gone south a little bit in in yeah. uh, in Colorado. You know what I mean? So. But I don't know. I, I just love the swag he plays with. He's accurate. He's got a live arm. He runs with the ball. But he's not like – he runs the ball, but he's not a runner. Like, I don't want a runner at quarterback. I want a guy that can run, but I don't want a runner. You know what I mean? And so, um, I don't know. So, we'll see. I, you know, look, there's a, there's a long way to go until we get to that point. But I think I'm with you at the at the point that I feel like if you love a guy and you feel like he can be our franchise quarterback, fine, draft him. But you have too many holes to say we need a quarterback right now. Yeah. If you're if you're drafting a quarterback, this is more similar to like when the Jaguars picked Trevor Lawrence, where the team was just kind of empty. And you're yeah. picking the quarterback because he's far and away the best player. And you figure out the rest from there, which has mostly worked out for the Jags. Seems like they're going to be winning that division this year and hosting a playoff game. And they did yeah. it last year, too. Uh but I don't know if I feel like either of these guys. No, I can. I feel like I can confidently say that neither of these guys is a Trevor Lawrence level of prospect. Even though I think they're still good prospects, they're widely yeah. considered good prospects. Which I will note: Dane Brugler and shout if, if anybody reads his stuff, he's my he's one of the better draft evaluators yeah. out there, in my opinion. He's very good mm -hmm. at sharing his information and going through his reasoning. He moved up Drake May to his number one quarterback. He's got May number one, Marvin Harrison Jr. number two, Caleb Williams number three, which I thought was interesting. And he made an effort to point out that it wasn't because Caleb Williams had done anything wrong. 
it's that Drake May had done stuff right. We'll see how that plays out and how the Patriots feel about that. But I think I don't know, this is a deep quarterback class too. Right. I think my take on it is you're probably moving on from Mac, just because if it's new leadership, getting him out of the building is probably a free, you need a fresh start for everybody involved. And you see whatever you're able to get back for him. Day three pick, probably maybe a day two pick. I don't know. Sam Darnold went for a second, a fourth, and a sixth. That was also the Panthers. So that could yeah. be why that happened. Um, you trade him for what you can get. Sign a mid-level veteran, you know, Baker Mayfield, Josh Dobbs, Jacoby Brissett, and draft a guy somewhere in the middle of the draft and, and go from there. See. Well, I mean, look at it, look at it this way, right? The way the way I look at it with with QBs, look at the guy you played on Sunday. Right? He's not a great player. He's okay. But there's questions in Washington that he might be the guy. Right? He might be the guy. I don't know if he will be or not, but he could be. You know, and as Alexandros is mentioning the Raiders, they drafted Aiden O'Connell in the fourth round. He looks good enough. Now they fired the coach. It's a little bit different, but like, nevertheless, they're throwing out their rookie quarterback to see what he's got. He's looked good when he's come in. So I think that, you know, there's a, there's a few different things where you, you kind of look at it and say like, huh, okay, let's see what now. Of course, the big difference is Washington has their offensive line's terrible and he gets sacked an outrageous amount. Right. But, they have two really good wide receivers, and I would say one really good wide receiver and and a and a and a solid wide receiver. And so, yeah. you know, I think the Patriots don't have that. And so, you know, but then again, he's got the arm that the Patriots don't have. So, you know, it's like it's it's one of those things where you kind of go back and forth, and you're like, hey, you know, what are we going to do? Can we get a guy? You know, can we get a guy like that? Can we draft a guy like Sam Howell? I don't know if you can or not, but like you might be able to. When I think you, you want somebody in that tier anyway, because you want the team to buy in the fact, buy into the fact that you're trying to be competitive uh, when you're establishing a new culture. So you want a guy who's throwing the ball back there that people can rally around and that the players trust that you're actually trying to win games. Otherwise you're going to have some culture issues on your hands. Um, and you want a guy back there who's good enough that he gives you a chance to actually evaluate the rest of the talent on right. the offense. And I think that's all we're looking for here. And I think you're looking for a bridge quarterback, a Sam Howell type where it's like, all right, we can throw him out there and we can run the offense and see what it looks like. And is he the future? Probably not. Uh, is he going to be a Super Bowl winning quarterback? Probably not. But he's good enough for now until right. we take another swing at, Whatever it is, we're going to end up doing. Um, right. Well, and, and, and in house case, and I like, think that's, you never know. Yeah. Exactly. And it's, you, you do, I don't know. I, I think playing in that middle tier for now was probably where you want to be if you're New England because for sure. It's, again, unless, unless they think one of these two guys at the top of this draft is it and you got to go get them. Other than that scenario, I think you're just laying back and building. I think you build the foundation and try to plug in the quarterback later. I think you know, one of the teams you look at for that, look at what the Kansas City Chiefs did. Got Alex Smith there for a little bit. You got really solid teams, and they build up a, a good team around him. And then you insert Patrick Mahomes. And obviously, 
just inserting Patrick Mahomes is not really a strategy you can use when you're trying to build a team. If that was, if that was a, a strategy you could copy and paste, every team would do it. But right. that kind of approach where it's like, all right, we're going to get good enough play at yep. the quarterback position that we're competitive and we can be a good team. And then you try to upgrade it at some point. You know, yeah. I, I'll, I'll put it out here because I've, I've mentioned the Lions in here with their method. I've mentioned the Chiefs here. And what do both of those teams have in common? They traded for guys who were former number one overall picks as veterans to come in. Yep. Now, I don't know if this would be a good move for the Patriots. I don't know what the price tag would be on it. But Kyler Murray might be available this offseason. Yep. And he has some real questions about, you know, his leadership abilities that's been put out there and his work ethic. And you know, there's a lot around him. And he's got that big contract. But if he came cheap, he's more talented than pretty much any other option you're going to get. And you might not have to give up as much draft capital for a player of that caliber as you usually would. And the bonuses from the contract are gone, the signing bonuses. So if it doesn't work out, you can move on a lot easier than oh, yeah. you'd usually be able to in that situation. And Arizona. Right. And if Arizona gets an one pick, they might be locked in on Caleb Williams. So they may want to move on from him. And so they might eat some of that contract for you, right? So it's just th yeah. that's some of the things where it's like you can do those things. And now you're like, okay, we're good at quarterback. So now we can work around those things. I don't love Kyler Murray. I think he's made a glass. I, I don't love him. But I think, yeah, there's a lot of questions there. Right. But at the end of the day, he's better than Mac Jones. Well, right? and, the, and, and the, Lion, the Lions didn't get golf thinking he's going to be the franchise guy. And I don't think he is. They have him for now. Yeah. Got to think they're going to try to move on at some point because golf is a really good quarterback right now. He's playing well, but he has limitations. And the same yep. thing went for Alex Smith with the Chiefs. And both of those guys are different in that they were quarterbacks who got very good in structure and were very good leaders. And right. that's why. And those are probably the two biggest questions around Kyler Murray. Right. Um, Which is not so great. that. So that's yeah, it's not it's not the same thing. But if you're trying to insert talent, um, it's something you at least have to look at. Somebody mentioned they have Hendon Hooker redshirting. I'm going to be honest. I don't know if I believe in Hendon Hooker there. I, I don't either, but you never know, I, I suppose. Take a shot and see I, what happens, you know? I thought the Lions should have drafted um, Anthony Richardson. That's that's what I, what I would have done if you're the Lions because then you can, um, what do you call it? You can redshirt him if you want. And I figured, all right, this is the, the last year you're going to have a pick high enough to go for this because after this you're going to be winning a lot and you're really going to have to trade up. But we'll see, we'll see how this works out for them. Well, they didn't. Term. Did they move back to 12? They, they drafted Gibbs at draft. They though. get they drafted Gibbs at twelve. I don't think they moved. Um, hold I on. Don't the draft order at this point. That whole that whole night's a blur. I know. Uh, I um. Hold on. Hold please. And and just um, to, to be clear here too, it's not you're looking for a quarterback who can give you better play than what you have right now and a solid foundation to help you evaluate the rest before you move on from him one year, two years, three years down the road. Right. That's the goal. So they had, they had six. Um, yeah, Lions okay. had six. So they were too far. They were too far back to get Anthony Richardson. All three but of those quarterbacks had, were gone already, but, but they had two firsts, right? They did. They had six and then they had, uh, they had their own first round pick, which I think was like uh, 18. 18, yeah, eighteen, nineteen, so, something like that. Yeah, it was eighteen because they drafted Campbell at eighteen. They had six. They 
they moved back from six to twelve, which is where they took Gibbs. Um, and they they picked up or they picked up a second round pick, a second and a fifth round pick to move back. And the second round pick is where they drafted Laporta. So like so they because Carolina wanted um not Carolina, Arizona wanted to draft Paris Campbell. So mm-hmm. I think if AR had dropped to six, they probably would have taken him in that situation. But weren't there weren't there rumors? I could be totally misremembering this, but I thought there were rumors they wanted to trade up to take Gibbs, but I might be very wrong on that. I know they liked Gibbs a lot. I know there were rumors the Pats liked Gibbs. I might be confusing the two of those. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, but I don't know. It's it's Who it's is, an interesting Gibbs situation. Looks, Gibbs looks good now. He does. I don't well, I don't we'll hate see. that pick for the Lions. David Montgomery's coming back. We'll see what happens. I mean, what's so funny about the Lions is that they've done what the Patriots couldn't do, which is draft competent players. And and look. Do I think they were crazy for drafting Jameer Gibbs at 12? I think they were nuts for drafting Jameer Gibbs at 12. But he's a he's a serviceable player. I thought they were crazy for drafting Jack but Campbell is, at 18. I loved Jack Campbell. Loved Jack Campbell. But at 18? Yeah. I thought it was I thought it was way too early. You know, but then you get Brian Branch, you get Laporta, yeah. you get all those other guys, right? So it's like, you know, yeah. the, so they get guys that, that can come in and play right away. And mm-hmm. who knows if they're gonna be phenomenal players but they're at least serviceable so all right we're way too far into this we gotta take a break when we come back though i want to talk about i want to talk about the the last play of course we said this will be a quick show um never is no it isn't so let's uh let's get we'll get into a break and then we're going to come back we'll talk about um we'll, we'll touch on the colts a bit and i do want to talk about that last throw by mac jones so we'll be right back score early this nfl season with FanDuel, america's number one sports book Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. MA21 plus and present in mass. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pre-game money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Back. By the way, I just I just saw someone breaking down um, Patriots, uh, the Patriots. The Celtics did lose tonight to Philly. Looks like Joel Embiid got the defensive rebound off their missed shot with just about four seconds left and was and out pretty of clearly standing out of bounds. And yeah. the ref who's just staring right at it just didn't call it. I mean, it's pretty obviously out of bounds. But uh, nevertheless, nevertheless, Celtics lost two straight, and I uh, can't depend on the officiating. I guess Giannis was thrown out today for staring someone down after a dunk. Okay, makes sense. He had, so, two, he had two technicals. And the yeah, that's what, but I mean, like taunting that after, was uh, such a foolish technical. So it is. Um, yeah. It's so stupid. So, anyways, all right, can we get into this last play? And the reason why I want to get into this last play, I, I 
I argue with a million people over this. Now, this is second down. The Patriots are at their own 41-yard line. No, Washington 41. No, I'm sorry. Thank you. The Washington 41-yard line. I'm looking at it, telling you the wrong thing. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're at the Washington 41-yard line. You're out of field goal range right now. You're not in field goal range. However, you might be able to get into field goal range. If you get into field goal range, you tie the game. Remember, they were down by three. And so I don't really care what the situation is. I know they had two more plays after this play. But if you have an open receiver and you get the ball to an open receiver, which is going to happen, you're going to see it right here happen. Uh, Juju comes across the middle. Mac Jones hits him in the worst place you can hit wide receiver, which is right in the hands. <laughs> and he drops it. And, and you know, and it's just like, and so, and other, the other thing is that Mac Jones is in the pocket. He's in the pocket. Yeah. So where is he going to throw it, right? And Ed's well, mentioning that everyone else is covered. Watch the play, and we'll, we'll yeah. see. Everyone else yeah, is covered. No, no, they are. And it's to the lineup. you got Juju on the left side, Demario Douglas at the, at the bottom of the screen here, then Hunter Henry and Mike Gesicki with Ramondre in the backfield, which uh, Taylor Kyles had also mentioned this, that this was, I think, the only time in the game the Patriots didn't pass off a stunt properly with the offensive line, which is awful timing for this yeah. one time you mess it up. Um, but yeah, here's the here's the play. Let it run. So Juju is going to be your target at the the top of the screen here. And when you, you the end zone angle, you can see it a little bit better too. The the throwing lane. Yeah. Well, and that's you know here we are right here right, and let's just see. I mean, okay, they don't pick up the stunt really well. Mac makes an accurate throw, yeah. right in his hands, and I I, I get it. I understand, but look at Hunter, look at Gasecki completely blanketed. Yeah. Well, and that's that's the right spot for it. Right. Juju has to make that catch. Um, that's really all there is to it. And we'll go back to the wide angle here. You can see what they got going on with the other receivers, but nothing nothing happening there. And that's that's the right play. And yeah. Um, well you're waiting. I mean, Henry's not open in the flat. No. Demario Douglas maybe has a step on his guy, but if you throw that ball to Mario Douglas, is getting picked off by the underneath by the underneath corner, and Mike Gusecki's double teamed to the top. There's nobody open. Yeah, and, and this is this this is a route combination the Patriots use a lot too, which is they'll have the underneath guy kind of sit here with the inbreaker behind him, and the idea is to target this defender in particular, the middle right. defender, and he has to pick one of these two guys to defend. They throw it all the time. Mac Jones loves this concept. And he reads it perfectly. Gasicki's covered. The, the linebacker on, throw it into the middle. And a uh, really bad route from Juju, although he does enough to get open and actually get his hands on the football. And it's a great throw, even though Mac's under pressure. And, yeah, it's just it's, – it's a bad drop. But the other the other part of it, is that this team is living by throwing into these windows. You see how right. small and condensed the field is there. The quarterback's yep. under pressure. There's only one guy you can even throw to who's even somewhat open. You're living where the receivers are in a very small area on the field, and this is the issue with it. Guys drop balls. That happens. But when you're in a condensed area, those drops and those deflections turn to picks in ways they don't when you can stretch the field. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's... And look, here's what it comes down to. How many times did Sam Howell extend the play, right? He extended the play like crazy, 
right? Mm-hmm. And got a guy open. That's what Sam Howell can do. Mac Jones can't do that. Now, he can scramble away, but he can't throw in the run. Nope. And Sam Howell was able to move out of the pocket and be accurate on the run, which is something that Mac Jones cannot do, which is fine. It's fine. Max, Mac was is, it? I, I'll, I'll contest that. Mac is very accurate throwing on the run. He throws it directly to the chest of the defenders every time. <laughs> <laughs> great point. That's a great point. Um, but but look, here's the situation. I know that I, I get they have no timeouts left. I understand. The fact is, is that you're down by three. You're throwing a pass. Puts you in field goal range. With you're throwing a pass that gets you into field goal range. You're literally trying to get into field goal range now with zero timeouts left and less than forty seconds left to go in the game. You're not thinking about scoring a touchdown. I mean, sure, it'd be nice to score a touchdown, but you're not like we have to score a touchdown on this drive because that's what we're going to do. You're looking at it thinking, we're probably not going to score a touchdown, mm-hmm. but we have to get into field goal range. That throw gets you into field goal range. And, yeah, and you know, yeah. this argument – here's here's the other part of this argument, right? The Patriots are not a good offense. They're not a good offense. When a guy gets open and gets into a lane where he can make in a fairly simple catch, I understand – that's not the easiest catch in the world, but he's a he's a professional wide receiver. I would say ninety nine percent of professional wide receivers make that catch fairly easy. He made, he made a harder catch like two plays before on fourth down. Right. Save the game yeah, on fourth not, down, made a great catch, and then drops and, that one. And it's just you know and that's and it's kind of it's the compounding of issues too is that you're not in this spot if you get better play earlier in the game, and you know you're not in the spot if Jalen Rager catches a ball earlier, not yep. in this spot if. You have consistent downfield threats. It's everything that comes. It's they keep getting into these positions where they have to make plays at the end of the game because they don't make them for the first fifty-five minutes. And yep, yep. For the most part, we've seen that they haven't been able to make them in the last five either, except for that Buffalo game, which how the Bills have been playing. Uh, I don't know how much stock we're putting in that right now. Well, Bills don't look like a good team. I think the Patriots got them at a bad time too. So, yeah, this. This offense isn't good at all, and it's everybody. It's the receivers, but it's the quarterback too. Yeah, um, and I agreed. no hate to Mac Jones. I, he's clearly clearly trying as hard as he can out there, but his inability to stretch the field consistently with his arm is noticeable on tape. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons that it's not the only reason, but one of the reasons why defenses complain to England so aggressively is because he can't push the ball outside the numbers. Correct. And that's something we've known since the day we drafted him. And I think the thinking was he'd be good enough at the other stuff that it wouldn't matter. And he isn't. So now it matters. Yeah, 100%. And that's, you know, it's a great way to put it. And Light Engine did say Juju owned it, which I will say, and we talked yeah. about that on Sunday, like the fact that he got up there and said, I dropped it. I lost the game for us, right? Like that's on me. And he didn't yeah, say I lost the game for us. But but he, he took responsibility for doing it, just like Kendrick Bourne did. After the Philadelphia game, when he dropped that pass on third and twelve, right, and, and so that doesn't excuse it. That doesn't make that doesn't you know that doesn't that doesn't change the outcome. Yeah, but these know, are these these are the kinds of if that happens in a situation where the Patriots are you know seven and one coming into the game and you lose the game because then everybody goes, oh man, like that stinks. All right, you'll get him next time, Juju. Right. The problem is he just. He doesn't have it out there. Every time. He really, he genuinely seems like a fantastic teammate. And yeah. everybody seems to love him. But it's just, it, it's not there for him anymore. 
No, it is not. You can see it. You can see it in that route too. And maybe he could be fine as a rotational guy at this point. That's, I think the Patriots have a number of receivers who could be fine as a rotational guy. The problem is you're relying on all of them to be starting caliber receivers. And yeah. With, with a slim margin of error because of the quarterback and the offensive line and the abilities of the receivers themselves. Right. And yeah. again, it comes back, comes back to talent evaluation. And look, we can look at George Pickens in, in Pittsburgh and he's struggling. He's having a hard time in Pittsburgh too. And so, you know, sure. We can sit there and say, maybe George Pickens wouldn't have been the answer either, but sure as hell looks a lot better than Tyquan Thornton does. Right. And so, Maybe he wouldn't have been the number one receiver on this team. Maybe he wouldn't be the best player and so on and so forth. Maybe that wasn't the right pick. And maybe not drafting him was the right move. But drafting Tyquan Thornton certainly wasn't the right move, right? And so and so that's, you know, that's situation. And it says, by the way, the game wasn't lost on that one play. And I agree with you, Ed. Like, the Patriots lost the game in a million different ways a bunch of different times, right? And again, like you mentioned, Matt, the Jalen Rager drop. And, you know... You go third back, you go down whatever, early, with Sam right? Howell. Right, third and 23, where you just miss him. Both guys miss him. And you're just like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, yeah. those are the things that can't happen that have continuously happened with this team. And yeah. that's why when you talk about firing Bill Belichick, although I think it's insane, and I think you should never even consider that, that's the one place where I sit there and say, well, I, I don't know, like, Maybe yeah. if you're really that fed up with the way they're playing and they're playing undisciplined and not smart and you're jumping off sides on a punt and you know, it's, it's stuff like that where we're like, what are we doing? You know? And so, yeah. And I know there was, there's contention about if they were off sides on the punt, I didn't actually look at that on the tape uh, to see. It's hard to see. So someone said it, but you're not getting a shot down the line. Yeah. Right. I was watching it from behind because that's my angle. He clearly loses his balance and leans forward. Clearly. I mean, it's it, it's yeah. not up for debate. Now, the question is, was he in the neutral zone when he did that? That I don't know. But I do know he lost his balance and leans forward. Well, if the ref thinks he's offsides when he does that, then he's offsides, right? Like, mm-hmm. just don't lose your balance because you're anxious to rush. By the way, he's not even rushing. He's not even trying to block the punt. Like yeah, I don't, I just, yeah. I have yeah, no idea what he's doing in that situation, and it's just stupid. And honestly, even if he wasn't offsides, because you're giving him something, right? Because you're giving you, you're showing the the guy something that looks weird. Yeah. Just by showing him that, all of a sudden, he throws the flag because like, that didn't look right. Whether he's offsides or not, I don't know. It, didn't look right. But you're putting it hand, in the hands of the officials. And you just and don't, don't do that. Do don't ever yeah, do that. And go, yeah, going back for a second, by the way, you were wondering why people uh, were blaming Mac for the interception at the end there with Juju. Part of that is the broadcast. Uh, the yeah. announcer blamed right. it on Mac and then doubled down stupid. after the replay, which was strange. Um, if, if you blame that on Mac on the first viewing, that's fine. It's live time. But with the replays they showed, it went through Juju's hands. And with that point, it's obvious. I also want to note, shout out Murph in the chat here. Love having you. Maybe having... Thornton run go routes and skinny posts instead of outs and slants would help. First of all, any post he runs is a skinny post. <laughs> Second of all, nailed it. Um, he, if you go through his Baylor tape, a lot of what they had him do was it was goes and skinny posts and what you're saying, and then comebacks and the out routes or things like that off of that. 
And that's what it looked like he was doing there. And he was pretty good at that at Baylor. He didn't have issues there at Baylor. The route they asked him to run where he got stuck at the top of the route was when he didn't didn't have that issue with at Baylor. So I don't know if he got worse. Maybe he's at practice. Literally, he hasn't been on the practice field. I don't know what's going on there. But um, that is something that he showed on tape he could do before, and now he can't do. Yeah, it's brutal. It's brutal. So I don't know what's going to happen. But um, either way, listen, we didn't even talk about the Colts. The Colts are... And this, so I was talking about, I was talking about this going out, walking out, because my brother-in-law was with us at the game on Sunday. By the way, it's my daughter's first regular season game. She had a blast. She said maybe she, next time she won't sit next to me, won't sit directly next to me. Um, but she does, she does want to go again. Um, but we're, we're talking about it walking out, and I was saying the Patriots aren't even fun. Like they're bad, but they're not even yeah. fun. Like the Colts are bad, but they're fun. Like Gardner yeah. Minshew's fun to watch. Same with like, Washington. Washington's fun. Exactly the same thing. And that's what, what we're saying. Like Sam Howell's fun to watch. You know, like yeah, yeah. The Patriots are boring, yeah. and that's this game on Sunday. I I don't even know what to expect. It wouldn't surprise me if the Patriots won. It's the Colts. It's Gardner Minshew. They're not that good of a team. I just yeah, think they're probably better than the Patriots though. And you would think. Um, I don't, I don't know, know if we want. I don't know if we're playing for draft position at this point. I'm never going to root against the Patriots, but I don't know if I'm going to be upset with a loss on Sunday. I think we're just hoping for an enjoyable game. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. So no. we'll see. And I, th- I feel like I feel like this this podcast, instead of previewing the next week, has all has now turned into like the future and how to fix the future of the team. Because at this point, yeah. this season's pretty much a lost season, right? And yeah, I'm, and so is- it's it's all kind of about. What would we do to to fix what's going on? Um, and you know, it's Mom not. It's going to be already. Yeah, it's going to be a process. It's going to be a process, but you know, we'll kind of we'll see where it goes. It's all I'll yeah. say. So, anyways, all right. Nine, let's nine thirty Eastern on Sunday. That's right, baby. Don't get, forget get your NFL Network. Yes, get your NFL Network going. Okay, nine thirty in the morning. Get some. Breakfast brews maybe going, um, you it's know. Oktoberfest. So, it's it's Germany, I basketball. So. Well, I play basketball at eight thirty on Sundays. Usually eight thirty to ten thirty. So, I didn't play last week. I didn't play the week before. I haven't played in a few weeks, and I'm like, I, I'm gonna go play. But I'm not gonna stay till ten thirty. But I am gonna go play, and then I'm just gonna, I guess, show up a little bit late to home. I'll be, I'll be behind for a little while, but I don't care. I the the. Uh, the broadcast blows anyway, so I'll just skip through. You can watch, you know, in between you can watch it on your phone, too. NFL Plus. I can watch, watch it on my phone. phone. That is true. That is true. Um, but I'll be playing basketball at the time, not on my phone. Fair. So, so you know, Fair. so it's whatever. Fair. It just, you know, which yeah. is fine. It just is what it is, right? But I just, I think, um, yeah, I just, it's not, it's not one of those things for me that I'm like, I have to catch the Patriots. I have to be there. <laughs> When the ball is snapped on the first play, and again, I'm going to watch the game. I'm going to watch every play of the game, but I'm going to be behind for a little while, and I don't really care. You know, like it's one of those. That's where the Patriots are right now to everyone. Yeah, you know, and so it's um, it's funny. It's funny too because I've been I haven't missed like watching a Patriots game like live in its entirety since like 2013. Yeah, with. 
one exception in there where I had to miss a game because I had something and I recorded it and intentionally it's the Cowboys game in 2015. I didn't see anything and I watched it later without spoilers. And like this is it's been like a whole ritual. Like all right, schedule comes out and these are this is gonna be sitting down and it's not when when you lose Brady and the magic's gone, it's very it's it's a different feeling. Yes, it is. It's not and it's weird. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a it's weird not. relationship to have with this team at this point. Yeah, it's not great. It's not great. So Ed, Ed is asking about if 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 I usually play basketball on Sunday mornings if I haven't been in a month. And here's what happened: this Sunday I had a Patriots game. The Sunday before, the way it works is that it's stupid. I have to explain this to you. But the way it works is that we, the gym costs a certain amount of money, and so if we don't have enough guys, the guy cancels the gym for Sunday morning. So the week before on the 29th. He canceled the gym because we didn't have enough guys to play. Fine, we couldn't play. 22nd, now the Patriots game. Missed that game too. Missed that week too, right? And then the 15th, I played finally. But the 8th, my sister and I got married, so I didn't play that day. So like, so I played like once in the last month and a half, and I'm like, I ha- I just I got to do it. You know what I mean? Got to get out there. So anyways, I know I know you just mess with me, Ed, but, that's, but I felt the need to explain myself anyways uh, as, to, as I, to why I haven't been. So, I, I love but, it. Yeah. Oh, you know. and uh, P- Peter in the chat asked, the Pats have the opportunity to draft Marvin Harrison Jr. or a new QB. Who do you think they should take? Um, we'd kind of talked about this earlier, but I'll just yeah. say it for the record here. At this point, with everything I know, I'm going Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, I, I kind of feel that way too. Um, yeah. But I don't know, man, if Drake May, if you feel like Drake May is the guy and or Caleb Williams, theoretically, if Drake May goes number one and Caleb Williams slips a little bit and you feel like that's the guy, mm-hmm. then fine, draft him, right? And I do think, I agree with Murph, and we mentioned this earlier, like, I think you probably draft a tackle. Yeah. Um, but, but, but I do think be, that... It'd I think be one, tough to draft a tackle if Marvin Harrison is on that's the That's the problem. Like, I think yeah. one, two, three is going to be, right? I think one, two, three is going to be some variation of Drake May, Caleb Williams, and, and Marvin Harrison Jr., and then you kind of go from there. I mean, look at what the Bengals did. The draft, the draft kind of starts at four, I think, unless somebody's trading up. Yes. Look at what look what the yeah. Bengals did. Right? I mean, the Bengals drafted Jamar Chase. Everyone thought they were crazy. Said you should have drafted Penny Sewell. I remember the the meme, right? Where it was like Joe Burrow with you know with Jamar Chase, and it would be it was like him getting sacked by four people and not being able to throw it to him. Oh, yeah. And yeah. like so I love that meme. You know what I mean? So, but of course. It worked out for Cincinnati. Now their offensive line wasn't great, and they kind of failed at the end of the year, but they've built it up a little bit more. But, you know, when you get a generational talent at wide receiver, you take him because mm-hmm. he's a generational talent, and those guys are more important. You could make an argument that they're the third most important position on the offense, right? You talk about mm-hmm. offensive tackle, quarterback, and wide receiver. So um, if you have a guy like that, you go get him, and then you figure out your offensive tackle situation after that, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, uh, all right. Uh, should we segue? Let's do it. I got a segue for us here because TJ Pindar says college football is a good escape when the Patriots are playing bad. We got college football games of the week for you for this yep. Saturday. If you're watching for some prospects, and I said games, I got two this week. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, the first one, I'm a little bit biased here because I am a Michigan fan, which uh, unfortunately the last couple of weeks has not been a good escape. But <laughs> with the, all the insanity around the Michigan program right now. Hide your but phone Michigan, when you're on that. Yeah. Uh, if you see me videotaping things at a football game, no, you didn't. <laughs> um, 
But Michigan plays at Penn State uh, at noon on Saturday on Fox. Yep. And we've talked about Fashanu before the tackle for Penn State. He's a guy we've recommended to watch before. You're going to want to watch him in this one. The other guy, J.J. McCarthy, quarterback for Michigan, guy who's a first-rounder according to some, a second-rounder according to others. I think as, uh, there's some question marks around him as a, as a prospect at this point. This yep. game against Penn State with Penn State's defense on the road, is, it's going to be his first real test of the season. I'm intrigued to see how he handles it. I think this is going to be a really good game to watch. Then the other one, and one of the reasons I had to pick two, is because this one's on ACC Network, so not everybody's going to necessarily get this one. But And I can't believe this is on ACC Network. Duke at UNC. Both quarterbacks in this game mm-hmm. are going to get drafted this year. Drake May at UNC is, uh, you know, we, we talked about him here as a guy who, some now have as quarterback one and the number one overall guy in this draft. He's uh, one of the top prospects and a really interesting player. Duke has, you know, a, a new version of Daniel Jones that just dropped. Riley <laughs> Leonard is the quarterback there. Um, another another one of these tall white mobile quarterbacks. They're just turn, turning them out at Duke, apparently. Um, yeah. he's, he's had some really good games this season. He's probably getting drafted this year. He's another prospect to watch. So, if you're if you're looking for the the quarterbacks or the left tackle at Penn State, those are that's at 8 p.m. on ACC Network. Duke USC. There you go. There those you are, go. Uh, those are the games I'd, I'd keep an eye on. I love it. I love it. Um, all right. Well, let's let's get into uh, then our props, our prop bets, and oh, how about this? We both went one and one last week. Got a dub, baby. Got a dub. No, well, I mean, technically, I'm the same as I was. You just didn't gain any ground on me. Uh, I am now five and thirteen for the year, <laughs> and uh, and you are seven and eleven for the year. So not much better, but a little bit better. Um, I hit on the Giants Raiders under thirty seven and a half, and completely missed on the Miami Dolphins first half winner. I was I was going off of the uh, the time difference, the fact that Miami went there early. And mm-hmm. Kansas City went there late. It didn't matter um, at all. <laughs> so uh, Kansas City was up 21 to nothing at the half. And then, of course, it seemed like they ran out of gas. So it actually could have benefited Miami a little bit more. They just played so bad in the first half that it didn't matter. Um, and then you won the Browns-Cardinals under 37.5. And, and, uh, and Will Levis under 204.5 was a loss for you, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. So, uh, side note: I bet personally, I bet the Vikings Falcons under last week, thinking with Taylor Heineke and the Jaron Hall Josh Dobbs duo that that was sure to hit. It, it was looked not. like it was going to, and then they just blew that one out of the water. Yeah, so, that was wild. That was glad, a crazy. Glad game. I didn't take that one for the show. But you want yeah, to know okay, your bets for this week? Uh, yes, I will. My two bets for this week are uh, are two fun ones. I think. Um. Well, no, it's not. One of them is not fun at all. Uh, I'm actually taking – I'm going with the Patriots prop bet this week. Uh, and I'm going with the fact that almost all the international games stink. And so I'm going, I'm going Pats, Colts under 43.5. I mean, the Patriots just cannot score over 20 points. And their, opponent, their defense is usually pretty good. And the Colts stink as well. So I think it makes a lot of sense under 43.5. And, and then – I'm buying into the Will Levis hype. I'm buying it. Oh, baby. I'm buying it. 
Will Levis over 212.5 passing yards is is my second one. Bring me all the Will Levis stats. All right. I I also have an under and a quarterback over. Okay. Okay. We did we'd see this is great because we don't discuss these before the before the show. So we always kind of hope that we don't take (laughs) we don't take each other's. So um, but you know. Yeah. What do you got? I'm going. I'm going with the under on Lions Chargers. It's 48 and a half points. I think both of these defenses are a little bit underrated right now. This is one of the higher lines of the week. And give me that. Give me that under on it. I like it. I like it. It's also, you know, two two teams who are weird things have historically always happened. Definitely bizarre endings for both teams, for sure. Yes. And then the other one. Going, I always like to throw a Thursday night prop in here. Yes. Give me the over on Tyson Bajan rushing yards. Oh Lines at 19 God. and a half. Quarterback rushing yards is one of my favorite bets, by the way. Especially, I have bet Mac Jones over on rushing yards more than once this year. And it hits, too, because it's always really low. Like, it's 19 and a half yards, and it's low he enough that you can get it all rushing at once. Yards. He had 70 rushing yards last week. Yeah. It's like, all right. Like, that's... That feels like a safe, a safe yeah. over to take for this one, and some like fun. I, you know, this Thursday night game is going to be awful. Oh, so man. let's make it. The, the Bears are breaking out their their traffic cone orange helmets again for this one. So they're really Ooh. leaning into this being an atrocity. Yeah, it's going to be. It's going to be real bad. It's going to be real bad. Someone was saying I'm that a, I might just I might just go to like trivia night or something at the bar and skip this game. Yeah, it's just not so. So the standalone games this week, right? The standalone games. Thursday night, you have Carolina, Chicago. <laughs> Sunday morning, you have Colts, Patriots. Oh, yeah. Sunday night, you have the Raiders and the Jets. <laughs> and then Monday night, you have Denver and Buffalo. And Denver stinks. Buffalo's looks really hit or miss lately. So like even that game where you have a good team in Buffalo could be a dud. And so it's like Buffalo those good? four games are brutal. Well, I Denver Buffalo to me is interesting in that Buffalo has looked bad recently. And I don't, and like Denver has had like signs of competency at points lately. Right. Yeah. And that does feel like a random kind of game that something weird sure. could happen in. might not be good. I want to be very clear. It might not be good, <laughs> it's a good but point. it may be close. <laughs> it's a great point. That's a great. It may point end there. up being entertaining. Yeah. Um, All right. Yeah, what do you got for uh, trivia time? Yeah, we had we had no nobody get it last week. I'm disappointed. I thought I thought somebody was going to get it. Nobody. What was the did. question? Let's read the question again for the for the folks out there. We're going back uh, to the 2011 game Patriots down in Washington. Bill O'Brien made headlines for his screaming match with Tom Brady on the sideline after Brady threw an interception in the end zone late in the fourth quarter. Which Patriot player sealed the win by ending Washington's drive with an interception in the red zone? The answer was Gerard Mayo. Gerard Mayo. A tipped ball on a pass underneath late in that one. Yeah, nobody, nobody had it. So we're going with something I think a little bit easier here. I think I think somebody's going to be able to get this one. And is this this is our last? Is this going to be our last one before the drawing? This is going to be our last one. We'll do the drawing next yeah. week. Yep. So yeah. last chance to get your name in for a uh, for a prize. Yeah, 
So first answer gets this one. We'll end it also, off don't forget, if you're listening on the podcast, I know the podcast yeah. comes out a few days later, but if you're listening in podcast form, comment right on the podcast. If you are, or, well, maybe not comment. Yeah, I guess you can comment on the podcast. Um, you know, leave a review and, and comment on the podcast. Or you could also go back to the YouTube and comment on the YouTube uh, after the fact as well if you'd like to. So Yes, yes. Or send us a DM. Uh, Shoot us a DM. Me yeah. and Matt, my DMs are open, so, you know, go from there. Yeah. Yeah. All right, this week's question. This is the fourth international game the Patriots have played in the third different country with previous okay. trips to England and Mexico. Mm-hmm. You remember which team the Patriots beat in their first ever international game in 2009. 2009. I remember that game well. Matter of oh, fact, yes. I, was, I was playing... How about this? I was playing in a flag football game at uh, when that game was happening. Weird, right? Wow. Yeah. I, if I'm remembering correctly, and I'm pulling up the game log here to double check, Lee Bodden had himself a day in that one. Did Ooh. he have a pick? No, he didn't. Somebody had a pick in that game, and then I'm I'm getting confused. I was big, I was a big Lee Bodden guy that year. Yeah. Fan of his. Yeah. He. Yeah. I guess. I mean, I was I was a kid, so. True. That's a good point. That is a good point. We'll let you we'll let it slide because yeah. you were a kid. Um, but yes, it was a little strange. Um, uh, Patriots had three picks in this game: one by Darius Butler, two by Brandon Merriweather. Oh, Darius! You know what's so funny is that someone was we were talking about the group chat. We were talking about the group chat. By the way, uh, oh no, never mind. That's Antonio Bryant. I was thinking Martavis Bryant. Um, Martavis Bryant's back in the league, which is crazy. <laughs> Um, but nevertheless, um, what the heck was I just about to say to you? I forget. Oh, in the group chat, we're talking about Darius Butler today and, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, about how he made multiple Pro Bowls with, with, um, Indy and he turned out to be a pretty good player with Indy just for whatever reason didn't work here. So, um, it took, it took a bit. Yeah, it did. It did. So yeah. Anyways, all right, yeah. let's get into, uh. Let's get. We can get into that. This last this week in sports history. My goodness, I am losing it. Uh, this week in sports history, and then we'll get you guys out of here. Here we go. And now for something we think you'll really like. This week in sports history. Oh, you want to go first? Since I went first with uh, with my picks, you want to go? Uh, you want to go this week yeah, in sports sure. history? Uh, I hope. I hope you didn't take this one too. This day, November 8th, 1966, U.S. President Lyndon B. Johnson signs the antitrust immunity to the AFL-NFL merger. Yep, that's a good one. It's funny, I almost picked that one. I was like, you know what, I'm going to go with a different one. I like (laughs) that one. That's a good one. Um, I went with not a day that was today. I went with Friday, the day, the release day of the podcast uh, in podcast form. Uh, November 10th, 1857. In the first American Chess Congress, was won by Paul Morphy, not Murphy, but Morphy with an O. Ooh. He beat Lewis Paulson six-two for a tournament record of fourteen wins, three draws, and one loss. How about that? Wow. A little chess, a little chess today. I know you didn't tune into the Patriots uh, episode today, thinking that you'd get some chess history today, but here you are getting some chess yeah. history. I love it. Love it. Look at this. Ooh, and Ed. Ed. 71 yards to steal the win for Tennessee in 1998. Must have been a 71-yard drive for Steve McNair. Love it. 
Steve McNair, yeah, Titans legend. By the way, I had, I had one stat that I totally – I meant to bring up earlier and totally forgot to that I wanted to mention here. I don't know if you had, had seen this. Uh, it's from Arjun Menon on Twitter, who's a, a great follow. He has all kinds of great stats, uh, even though he used to work for the Jets. <laughs> he is – we can look past that here. Yeah, yeah. He has, he has a metric for the most versatile players in the NFL through nine weeks based on like where they're lining up. The number two safety on the list, Kyle Duggar. Look at the that. number five safety on the list, Jabril Peppers. Okay. Number two linebacker on the list, Jelani Tavai. And the, and the number four corner on the list, Miles Bryant. Wowza. That's yeah, pretty good. Exactly, which is also kind of funny. We uh Miles Bryant at four. Trent McDuff- McDuffie is at one. That's a guy I liked. And I had previously said that I would rather have Miles Bryant undrafted than Trent McDuffie for a first round pick. <laughs> Uh, McDuffie's been fantastic this he season. Now and then. Yeah. Uh, one spot behind Jelani Tavai, it's your boy Jack Campbell for the Lions, their first round pick this year. Talking about him. Freaking love that guy, man. <laughs> so he was so much fun to Man, his college yeah. film was so much fun to watch. Yeah. It's a, it's a verified who's who of guys I wanted in New England right behind <laughs> Tavai. It's Jack Campbell, <laughs> and that Campbell, Leo Chanel for the Chiefs. Yep. Yep. And Zach Zach Bond for the Saints. Oh I, my lord! I love Zach the Bond idea. Plays, huh? I guess I love the idea of drafting him as like a uh, Kyle Van Noy replacement. Yeah. I saw him in that role. Who have Van Noy still humming for the Ravens this year? We did not see that coming. Yep, yep. It's great. Played for the Chargers yeah. last year and the Ravens this year. So good for him. Yeah. Good for him. I, Ed is saying that on this day in 98, Steve McNair had a 71-yard run to seal wow. the win for Tennessee. It's pretty impressive. That is pretty impressive. That's Steve McNair was a beast. He was so good. Remember um, when the Patriots beat Steve McNair and Peyton Manning back-to-back in the playoffs when they were co-MVPs? I do. In fact, I was at both of those games. I remember it well. Um, by the way, people were talking about, just to mention Steve McNair just for a second, people were talking about they were all up in arms that – that Tennessee wore the old Oilers uniforms. Everyone was pissed, pissed that they wore them. I'm sorry. They were the Tennessee Oilers for the first year they were there. People don't remember that. They were the Tennessee Oilers for the first one, year that they was were there. Two, was it one or was it two? It might have been, been, even been two years, but they were definitely the Tennessee Oilers when they were there. Steve McNair was drafted by the Tennessee Oilers. He was not drafted by the Tennessee Titans. He was drafted by the Tennessee Oilers. And so, yes, I understand. I get it. You want to keep the legacy in Houston. That's not how it works, man. Yeah. That franchise is the Houston Texas. It is the is the Houston Oilers. That's what they are. So they moved yeah. to to Tennessee. That's just the way it goes. It's like the Bobcats. You know, the Bobcats are in Charlotte. They're not the Hornets. Like they're not. They're not the Hornets. Yeah. You know what I mean? And no, so they, you know, they never. I, really, I guess. I guess they moved. To New Orleans, right, and became the Pelicans, and now then now Charlotte has a team again. But like, you know, it's just it's, I don't know. Yeah, they uh, what do you call? It? They they sh- never should have changed the colors. That's for sure. I just I don't understand. Well, it's just like look at what the Titans wear now. It's just it's blue and it's gray, and it's like that could be the Patriots, or that could also, be the Cowboys, or that could be you know, like it's like the most that's like the default colors for a football team, and you're picking right. that over. Like the baby blue and red, which is just iconic. And and not just that, but Murph says it too. Like their name wasn't good enough for them. I mean, like, wait a second. I get it. But like, Oilers is 
a million times better than the Titans. A million. Like, what are we doing? They, Why did you ever think just, it was a good idea to change that? They should just kept if if we can have the Los Angeles Lakers after moving from Minnesota, we can have the Tennessee Oilers. That can How about the Utah Jazz? The Utah Jazz, for God's sakes. Like, come on, you know? So that's – so whatever. I just – you know, uh, this, it is what it Mur- is. Murph, Murph mentions it's as bad as the Hurricanes using the Whaler sweaters. What I find funny, too, is the Hurricanes always wear their Whaler sweaters now when the Bruins play them. Yeah, it's crazy. Just because it's like the team up north. And I believe the Titans are wearing – I think they're wearing their throwbacks one more time this season against Houston, that's which just is just rude. really – That's really – that's rubbing it in. That that's excessive. <laughs> Don't you wish you could wear these uniforms? That's just terrible. Oh man! But that's the way I go. I'm sure they're going to do great for merch sales, though. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I want one of those things for sure. So, oh, so yeah. see. By the way, we'll find out when the podcast is released. In between now and when the podcast is released, we'll find out about Pittsburgh. I'm I'm incredibly nervous. Incredibly oh, nervous. That game's gonna stay on Thursday. That, that night. game's gonna gonna get moved to Sunday because if it does, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to go. We'll see what happens. But I think it's gonna stay on Thursday. There's been no chatter about it getting moved. I would think if they were gonna move it, that there would be some sort of chatter about oh the NFL might be thinking about moving. You know what I mean? And maybe not, but that's what I would think. But we'll see. So, but anyways, tomorrow tomorrow's the day uh, that we will find out. So, um. Hopefully yeah, that's the way it goes. So, anyways, that's all we got for you tonight, guys. Thanks so much for uh, for tuning in. We appreciate you guys as always. Um, some familiar faces in the chat, Murph coming through. We appreciate you and uh, and everyone else that that came through as well. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Sunday afternoon ish. I would think probably. I think it's going to be probably right after the game, but maybe. Um, Maybe half time of the one o'clock games. Yeah. We'll we'll see. We got to talk to the guys and kind of see how it goes. But but we'll, either way, yeah, we'll be back on Sunday. Schedule this week. At least you know we can get this out of the way early, and then I can get on to my like Sunday errands. Yep. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, my Sunday errands going to be sitting in front of the TV and watching uh, watching Red Zone. But you know it's okay. So well, I mean, we'll see my wife. But what my wife has to say about that. But that, that's that's <laughs> my hopeful. That's what I'm hoping to do on Sunday morning. But that's probably not going to happen. But we'll see. So. Anyways, all right, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it, and we'll talk to you on Sunday.